I'm Brian Hubbard. And I'm Lynn McTaggart. And we are What Doctors Don't Tell You. Now, in case anyone didn't have a clue what we're about, we produce a monthly magazine, which I'm holding up now, the latest issue, uh, available across the States and the UK. And you can subscribe via our website, which is wddty.com. Um, so, yes, fill your boots is what I say. And um, we have a, a themed podcast this week all about food nutrition diet it'll be a feast i just hope the the listener swallows it mm. or not in the case of one of our stories ah right? that's right oh, no, you're giving the game away here but anyway so straight off from the top organic food a lot of us do spend the premium price on getting organic food and the thing there's been sort of few studies looking into this and they keep on concluding it doesn't make any difference. You know, you're just wasting your money, seems to be the general consensus. Um, but now a new study has coming, come out and says, well, no, that isn't the case at all. It's very protective against cancers. And the overall protective rate is 23%. But more interestingly, for non-Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma, which is the, the cancer of the white blood cells, the immune system that mops up uh, all sorts of uh, uh, problems, uh, that protective effect goes up to 73%. And sort of that sort of makes sense to me because, you know, you, know, you spray pesticides on, on, on fruit, vegetables, and you can't get the stuff off. You can't wash it off. So you must be consuming it. So if you're, if you're not consuming it and you're eating organic, surely it must have a positive health effect on you. And this study finds exactly that. And what was also interesting about the study was it didn't seem to matter what type of food you ate as long as it was organic. And even ready ready cooked meals, you know, easy to prepare meals, as long as they're organic, also had that protective effect, quite interestingly. But it looked across a whole range of products from, you know, different uh, drinks, foods, meat, fish, vegetables, fruit, and, and I say these ready-to-eat meals, all of these things were tested, and uh, the, the the organic food came up trumps each and every time. And uh, the third protective effect was for postmenopausal women getting breast cancer, the, it was 21% less amongst those eating organic produce. I mean, not a surprise, but still the first study that's demonstrated it. Well, this is one of those great duh-type stories, Brian, mm. because... You know, what all of the other studies haven't looked at in some way is the extraordinary effect on our body of cumul accumulating chemicals day after day, year after year. And there have been many studies looking at that and looking at certain chemicals. And some of the worst are pesticides. You know, there's this product Roundup, which is being, you know, it's been demonstrated to cause all kinds of problems, mm. particularly in children. But if you understand that your body doesn't eliminate this stuff um, and that chemicals work antagonistically, that's the big problem, Brian. You know, there was one study I looked at years ago that looked at the effect of chemicals in combination with each other. And basically, there weren't enough zeros out there to calculate the risk mm. involved once we start mm. adding all of these on. So it makes perfect sense that we're supposed to eat the way, you know, nature intended us mm. to eat. Yeah. And many of those earlier studies, I'd really find suspicious because a lot of these studies, 
you know, you have to always ask the question, follow the money, you know, who, who basically funded these studies? And there's a huge body of industry, i.e. big food, that have a huge vested interest in making sure we eat chemically laden um, um, and processed foods. So, and also there's the whole farming, you know, intensive farming community that also has a vested interest in us eating, mm. continuing to eat these chemicals and to say they're perfectly safe. Mm. Well, clearly they're not. And, you know, at, on the, uh, just around the time now that Prince Charles is turning 70 and they're doing a lot of laudatory stories about him, one thing we really have to say is for us here in the UK, Prince Charles championed organic food years, decades and decades ago and was ridiculed for it. Mm. And this is finally a vindication of, of what he's done, which is basically to create, you know, to popularize organic food with his uh, Duchy of Cornwall brands, which are now in supermarkets all mm. around the UK. Mm. And talking about decades and decades ago, when you were a young lass starting out in all this, you... you worked quite closely with a very pioneering nutritionist called Stephen Davis, didn't you? And he came up with the concept of the water barrel, where you know the, the human body is very resilient and it can take all sorts of insults that we throw at it, but it reaches a point like a water barrel that it can overflow. And when it does overflow, that's disease. Mm. That's when things go terribly wrong. And I think you know we are we we're surrounded by chemical uh, pollutants from the air, from, from our homes, from our toiletries. And so adding, you know, non-organic food on top of that really could be the thing that tips us over. I think it also puts pay to the, the theory of the sceptics that detoxing is a load of nonsense because they say the human body has its own natural detoxing system, which, can, of course, is true to an extent. But again, if you apply the water barrel idea to that there does come a point where the body can't cope yes. and this is when we become ill yes. so you're know, adding to that load by eating non-organic certainly now this study has come out seems to be a, a, a you know a foolish move really eat organic as much as you can and i think the prices have come down quite a bit now and you know if you get box schemes if for those of you who live near areas or you can go to farmers markets places like that you can get it cheaper than if you go to supermarkets mm -hmm. but as dr davies said you know illness is essentially the failure of an organism to adapt to its environment that was his you know definition on a stick and our if our environment is toxic you know as brian says we can take certain things but if that big old barrel overflows, then that just mm. sends us into illness. So it makes sense to avoid any of the things you can avoid as much as possible. So, you know, eat organic. Great. Thanks, Lynn. Another topic in the news quite a bit this last week or so has been type 2 diabetes, the lifestyle disease. And the reports recently came out suggesting it was taking up fully 10% of the national health budget in the UK and presumably similar sums in the US health budget too. And yet it's such an avoidable disease. It's absolutely crazy. It's so 
so avoidable and it's so treatable. And, um, you know, there's been loads of studies in recent months about how a, a healthy diet can pretty much reverse type 2 diabetes. But there's another strategy that's also just come out in the last week or so, and that's intermittent fasting. And that also can reverse type 2 diabetes. And for people who love their grub, not looking at anyone in particular, it isn't quite as bad as it sounds. Because when they say fasting, what that means is you go for 24 hours, during which time you can drink low-calorie drinks like tea or coffee, water or broth, and you're allowed one low-calorie meal a day. Well, we can have another argument about calories and all the rest of it, but let's go with that one for a minute. Um, so that would be their idea of a fast. And they've done it where it's intermittent, so it could be one every other day where you fast, or you do three days straight with this very limited diet, so it's broth and one meal, um, and, um, and then, then eat normally after that. But the results were astonishing because they did a test amongst a group of diabetics and found that doing this after just for 10 months, they were able to be free of all drugs, uh, blood pressure levels normalized, uh, cholesterol levels were normal. Again, another conversation now about cholesterol. Let's go with it. Cholesterol levels were normal. And the main point, of course, they were free of their diabetes. Now, for so they had to carry it out for 10 months. Yeah. And what was the regime now? They so, had to do... so you could one of two. So you fasted for 24 hours intermittently. So you did it every other day. Mm-hmm. For, for that whole period, you know, so it's not... Oh, every other this day is, this for is, 10 months. This, yeah, it, it's, yeah, but, you know, we, we saw this news item, this poor chap had diabetes, had his leg amputated. So it is worth doing. And so, so yeah, the two options here, you either do it every other day, by which I mean the fasting days is broth and it's a, a, mm. a one light meal, or you do it three days straight and you do it four days normal. Right. So you you so you so it's fast one day, eat normally the next, fast, eat normally, or fast, 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 then normal, 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 normal. For ten months. Yeah. So you so of the seven days of the week, mm. you've you you're non-fast of in fact four days. Mm. So that's 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 the idea. But the point is the results were incredible. And this is not surprising to us because we are investigating now for a our January issue, the whole idea of fasting. And fasting is amazing because giving your body a break from food mm. allows the body to do several things, Brian. Mm. First of all, if you're, you know, if you're not eating, the body's got to consume something mm. or it dies. Mm. So what it consumes is the garbage. Mm. It consumes whatever, you know, the, the defective cells, all that kind of stuff. And it also gives it a chance to reset. Uh, it allows insulin levels to reset, all kinds of things mm -hmm. which are so key in diabetes mm -hmm. and so many things like that. You're, um, it resets the hormones, too, that make you feel full or make you feel hungry. Uh, and they're really key also in terms of losing weight or, or regulating your insulin levels. So there's all kinds of things going on here, but it's not just diabetes mm. that fasting helps mm. with. It's, you know, Alzheimer's, uh, heart disease, basically all the degenerative diseases and more can be helped enormously, if not overcome, with timed eating. So 
here's the other interesting thing. You know, when people think of a fast, they think of water. Um, but we're now really understanding that it's not just what you eat, but when. And so the when part of it is for many fasts, intermittent fasting like this diabetes one, where maybe you just don't have dinner. Um, so, you, or you eat within an eight hour window. So you have your three meals, but just within eight hours of your day and the rest of the time you are not consuming food and just giving your body that mini break, uh, every day is also proved to be really powerful. So it doesn't have to be, you know, fasting doesn't have to be, you know, completely without food. It has to be without food for a period. Mm, sure. And if there's anyone still not sure about this, I should add about this study that the people who were doing the fasting had very developed diabetes and were actually injecting with insulin. So they were pretty much at end stage mm. and it was reversed in 10 months. I mean, really remarkable. So, you know, I've got one thing for everybody to think about, which is, you know, in all of those blue zones, Brian, mm -hmm. where... Um, people people live, have, they live, live to over a yep, hundred, yep. you know, they live longest mm. in the, in the, in mm. the world. Mm. Many of them have one thing in common. They don't eat as much as all the rest of us, right. you know, like the Okinawans, that's a really famous blue zone, have a little saying, um, which is before every meal, their little blessing is, may you only be eight tenths full. <laughs> and so, okay, you know, yeah. here's our, our motto is let less food be your medicine. Yeah, there's a Zen saying as well, always leave the table not quite satisfied. So and I think it's quite interesting, the fasting idea goes back through many, many cultures and uh, many civilizations and religions, so yeah, fascinating. Really interesting stuff, Brian. Time to eat. From fasting to fast food. <laughs> now, I mean, chronic depression is a major epidemic, is it not? Certainly in the West, probably everywhere. And no one quite understands what causes it, what is depression, what the trigger points are. No one really knows, even though you know, something like a third of people suffer from it. But one clue has come about uh, from a study that found that people who eat a lot of fast food, processed foods, were far more likely to be depressed. And the antidote was actually eating more fish. So eating, <laughs> eating good fish and the omega-3s from fish are well known as very good antidepressants. So that sort of makes sense. But it's just the, you know, just the, the sugar in the, in the fast foods seems to directly cause depression. And so quite an interesting study, this, because it was like a unique opportunity for researchers because there are two islands... Uh, in, in, in Australia, called, called around the Torres Strait, which separates Australia from New Guinea. And there are these two islands. One is very developed and has all the usual fast food outlets and all the rest of it. And the other one is very underdeveloped and doesn't have any restaurants like that, may not have any restaurants at all, I don't know. But it was a unique opportunity for researchers to look at this and say, well, what impact well, is food itself having? on two very similar groups of people, but with utterly different lifestyles. And um, the researchers who were from, also from Australia found that the people who were living on the island with the fast food outlets had much higher rates of depression. More, far more people 
on that island were depressed than the others who were lived on the on the non-fast food island. So they're saying that it's quite interesting. And so they drew the conclusion or they drew the theory, I suppose we should say they never draw conclusions, do they? But the theory was that the eating the processed food was giving them too much omega-6s, whereas the people living on the other island who had to fish for their food and all the rest of them couldn't go and get a Big Mac were eating the fish, and they were getting far more omega-3s. And their suggestion is that the imbalance between the two fatty oils is results in depression. That's really interesting, Brian, yeah. because it really goes to the heart of a, a lot of so-called mental illness. Mm. I mean, we, we call it mental as though there's something going wrong in the brain as as opposed to the rest of the body. But we're now realizing that we're, a, you know, a holistic, interconnected entity. And that if we have a big biochemical imbalance in our bodies, that's going to cause so-called mental illness too. Mm. And, you know, this is also very interesting about processed food. I mean, processed food has two really bad elements to it. Number one, it's got all the white stuff in it, which is white carbs. And anything that's been processed or in any way interfered with is going to produce sugar in the body really quickly. Mm. You know, when you yep. consume those kinds of white carbs, white yeah. bread, white potatoes, um, and white and fried potatoes, um, white rice, all of those kinds of foods, sugary, you know, sugary sweets, sugary candy, sugary uh, uh, cookies or biscuits, all of that stuff turns into sugar immediately in the body, makes insulin spike, um, but also causes, you know, wreaks all kinds of havoc. Mm. And now we know it has a bad effect on the brain. Mm. Um, but then the other baddie in all of these foods is, as you say, omega-6 fatty acids. They're produced with all of these vegetable oils, like, you know, and they use cheaper vegetable oils in all of this fast food, too. Um, and that stuff originally was thought to be the good fats. You know, when they talked about fats and cholesterol, Brian, um, and blamed them all on fats, they wanted everybody off of animal fats and onto these vegetable fats that are very high in omega-6s. And we're now discovering these are the culprits. These are bad. Mm. And in, in excess, they're highly inflammatory. Mm. And they cause so many of the degenerative diseases or contribute to the degenerative diseases we're now suffering in the West. Yeah. Well, very interesting, Lynn. Thanks for that. So if you're feeling a bit low, eat some fish. Okay, we were speaking a moment ago about fish oils, the omega-3s helping with people with depression, but it also is pretty good for people who actually already have breast cancer. Because the oils stop the uh, cancer from spreading and, from, and it slows the growth of the cancer as well. So it's a pretty powerful thing to take. They did this test amongst women and uh, well I don't think they did that's not true I think they did tests in labs they did they did cancer cells mm -hmm. and they they um, so they they put oils on, on some of these cancer cells and found that the the um, tumors uh, size grew uh, by half and they also stopped spreading 
So as a result, women who have lots of omega-3s, again from fish, would be living longer. And um, so that seems to be the conclusion then on that. Um, they're not quite sure why it works, but they suspect it's because the oils boost the immune system response to the cancer. So that would suggest that the oils would also work just as well with any other cancer, because it seems to give the uh, immune system a bit of a boost and so makes it a more effective fighter. And also that would mean that it also is a very good anti-inflammatory. And virtually every disease is an inf inflammatory problem. So the fact, again, the omega-3s would seem to be so vital against, um, against cancers, against infl inflammatory disease, against depression, as we heard a moment ago. Mm. I'm, <clears throat> we can't extol them enough, Brian. Mm. Um, you know, we are now discovering that the omega-3s are, you know, they're, yes, they're anti-inflammatory, but they're just so important for so many processes. Mm. And people are looking to them um, for all kinds of illnesses, forward-thinking functional medicine doctors. So it makes sense. But this is a really interesting one because it's, you know, <clears throat> it's difficult sometimes to find good studies that are honest enough to demonstrate mm. that certain supplements help cancer. Mm. You know, so mm. many times in the past, there have been studies like the famous studies on vitamin E in smokers mm. that showed that they actually got more cancer mm. by taking vitamin E. Mm. And when they actually looked at the study, you know, when independent people looked at the study, they realized they were giving them the wrong vitamin E. There are certain kind of vitamin E's that are protective, others that are inflammatory. Um, they were giving them the wrong, wrong ones and the wrong amounts. Mm. And that's what you see too with all of these studies showing vitamin C doesn't help with cancer. Usually they give them something like three or 400 milligrams of vitamin C. When you look at the studies from Lion, Linus Pauling or Robert Cathcart, and they're talking about intravenous vitamin C up to 60, you know, 60 grams or more, 180 grams. Um, they, they're talking about ingesting vitamin C where you're taking, you know, 10,000 grams an hour until you reach bowel tolerance. So they're basically saying you need to take it in a very different way from the way that researchers are talking about when they use vitamins, almost like mini drugs. Mm, mm, yeah. And it's all very individual, too, as to what people should be taking. But uh, this should be heartening to people who believe in nutritional medicine. Well, it, you know, the theme seems to me to be that, you know, so much is about nutrition and diet and a bad diet causes disease and a good diet prevents it or, or, or reverses it. I mean, it, it, it time and time again, over the years we've studied medicine, that comes through so, so, so loudly. And it's not about taking drugs. It's yeah. not about, you know, it, it, that is not the solution. It really isn't because the drugs are dealing with the presenting symptoms, but they're yeah. not dealing with the underlying problem. I mean, just to sort of cap off this story about the, the omega-3s and breast cancer, what specifically it was doing was um, encouraging the growth of T cells, which, of course, are absolutely essential for immune system uh, flourishing. And, that's, uh, and that, that, um, that was the main consequence of taking the omega-3. And um, 
And so it seems that, um, you know, looking through the, the study, they, they found that um, after third, just 35 days, the tumours were just half the size of others who were not given the, 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 the fatty oils at all. So, yeah. So, it, you know, it just demonstrates once again that we have the tools at our mm. disposal to get well. Mm. You know, most of them are found in nature. Mm. And, um, and what we don't need something to suppress a process. And uh, medicine and certainly drug companies don't have any kind of understanding in the drugs that they produce of the complex requirements of the body mm. and the complex assistance given to it by just some kind of food mm. or a supplement that is essentially food. Right. Thanks, Lynn. And the final item this week on diet and nutrition. It's been a fascinating theme this week, I think, Lynn. Don't you I think agree? so. Very I think interesting. So, so this, this last time, a ketogenic diet, and that was one that's high in fats, low in carbs can help keep you mentally sharp as you get older. Again, you know, it's another one of these things, isn't it, that people don't really understand, well, what causes Alzheimer's, what causes dementia as we age, um, and general cognitive decline. They don't seem to know, well, what really causes it. And they just say, well, it's because you're getting old. But, of course, that's a real cop-out. You know, there are plenty of people who are old who remain sharp to the very end. And, and uh, by following this diet seems to be one way of achieving it. And they did this test for just, just, just for 16 weeks. And they found that the biological markers for good cognition, good mental health, actually improved in just that amount of time. 16 weeks of it. So it's um, what it apparently does, it increases the blood flow to the brain, which improves the balance of good bacteria in the gut, lowers blood glucose levels and body weight, and helps clear amyloid beta from the brain, which is one of the hallmarks of Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. of course. So it's uh, very interesting that a simple diet like this, high in fats, fats again, low in carbs, keeps you sharp to the end. Well, I'm not surprised. Mm. I mean, one of our panel members, Dr. Sarah Meyerhill, mm. is <clears throat> a doctor in the UK, and whenever she sees a patient, pretty much... Every single patient, the first thing she does is put them on a ketogenic diet. Now, a ketogenic diet, essentially, for people who don't know this, is a paleo diet and then some. So it's a paleo diet, but you monitor uh, your body's uh, <clears throat> ability to uh, process certain things, and you want to get into a state of ketosis, where the body is essentially burning its own fat as opposed to burning sugar. That's how most of us, eating a relatively high-carb diet, our bodies burn, you know, they feed off of sugar. If you're on a keto diet, your body uh, is, uh, is operating on fats. It's running itself on fats. That's why it's important to have a lot of fats in the diet. And all the good fats these days, you know, we've turned it completely on our heads. We used to think it was all those vegetable oils that were really good for us. Now we realize that there isn't a bad animal fat if it's not been messed around with or interfered with. So, you know, and also fats like coconut oil, um, butter, and particularly clarified butter, um, uh, goose fat, beef fat, lard, all these things we thought were anathema 
are good for us because they enable the body to have a new kind of fuel. So the keto diet is really about a certain amount of protein, a certain amount of fat, and then of course, vegetables and fruits. And it's just avoiding grains, dairy, sugar. Mm. Um, and we're finding it not just healthy for this, but uh, not just healthy for Alzheimer's, but for cancer, um, reversing cancer. That's one of the first thing that forward-thinking doctors put patients on, cancer patients, is a keto diet. Mm. And, and just about every illness you can think of seems to respond to this one. Yeah. I mean, well, they, they, there are studies that have shown that it have proven that the keto diet is reversing epilepsy, Parkinson's disease, and autism. Mm-hmm. So it it is quite remarkable, and it could, and so therefore, adding to the list now, it could be preventing Alzheimer's, dementia, you name it, as we get older. There's, you know, there seems to be this new bunch of evidence. Brian mm. seems to suggest and really indicate that the idea we had before that you should avoid high fats and have a low fat, high carb diet was completely fallacious and really, uh, really dangerous. Mm. And that basically all of these people and so many doctors are now in agreement, forward thinking, integrative specialists are basically saying low carb, Mm. that, you know, carbs aren't, aren't great for us. That doesn't mean you have to just eat meat. There are plenty of uh, plant-based sources or non-meat sources of protein for vegetarians and vegans out there. But it's essentially about avoiding a high-carb diet. Mm. Great, man. Well, thank you for that. I think we've run out of time this week. But right. I think you've got one announcement to make before sure. we go. Well, one of the ways that we demonstrate over and over again that diet really can reverse illness is with our latest publication, which is... Uh, one of our, it's our first healing compilation. And what we've done is put together inspiring stories of people who have overcome all sorts of so-called incurable diseases using alternative medicine and or diet supplements and other things. But the common thread is that they avoided the conventional approach, they avoided conventional medicine, and they all got better. And there are many st- stories of cancer patients of all varieties, you know, whether prostate cancer, breast cancer, etc. We've got people with Crohn's disease and, um, and uh, ulcerative colitis, people with psoriasis, people with ankylosing spondylitis, um, osteoarthritis, all of MS, all of the so-called no-hoper illnesses, all cured just with this alternative approach. So read their stories. This is out in all the newsstands now. And, you know, we we encourage you to see this because and buy this because this magazine will give you hope. Mm. There is an alternative solution to every medical problem. Very good. The only slight rider I should add to that is currently this is only available in the U.S., not in the UK or in Europe, uh, not in the UK because of various restrictions and bans on us. But there you go. 
there's nothing like a bit of free speech. Um, but it is available in the States, and we hope we can eventually um, get, get people in the, in the UK to, to stock us more, in which case we will have it available in the UK as well. But it's a must-read. So that's it. I'm, I'm feeling hungry, Lynn. I, there's no two ways about it. Um, I'm feeling hungry. So I'm going to say goodbye to everyone and I look forward to talking with you again in, in a short while.